In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies. It is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Following the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. And welcome to another episode of Strange Planet. Great to have you on board. And thank you, as always, for sticking me in your ear. All right. For all of you George Adamski fans, this one's for you. Of course, George Adamski, recognized widely as uh, the first and most famous of uh, UFO contactees. He came to prominence during the 1950s. He was a philosopher, teacher, student, and saucer researcher. And we're going to get into his work, his theories, with my guest right now all the way from Amsterdam. And uh, after traveling the world as a backpacker, Gerard Artsen settled in Amsterdam as a translator in 1985 in the late 1990s. Gerard trained as an educator and eventually earned his Master of Education degree from the Amsterdam University of Applied Sciences, where he still mentors students in their teaching practice in secondary schools. He's been a lifelong student of the ageless wisdom, which holds that at the beginning or end of each cosmic cycle or age, a teacher returns with 
a new revelation about the source and the evolution of consciousness that needs to be given expression by living according to the golden rule to establish right uh, human relations. Gerard has published eight books, and his recent George Adamski, The Facts in Context, provides a unique insight into the relevance of George's teachings and uh, missions at this pivotal time in humanity's history. And uh, his latest book is called The Adamski Book of UFO UAP Disclosure. Gerard, welcome to Strange Planet. How are you? Thank you, Richard. Thank you very much for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm very doing good. Thanks. And the sun has been shining here today, so uh, that's always uh, good, I think. More light after the winter. That's right. The tulips will soon be uh, coming forth, or are they already out? I've seen a few tulips, but the, the daffodils are uh, plentiful. They're everywhere. Ah, wonderful. Well, we're a few weeks behind you, I think. It's winter's mm-hmm. last gasp here, just uh, north of Toronto. Uh, for those not intimately or not um, really aware of the work of George Adamski, I mentioned a little bit about him, but uh, uh, I guess maybe if you could start, take us back to the uh, the mid-1940s when Adamski and some friends first claimed that they were, uh, well, this, you know, the, perhaps the, uh, the first sighting, the cigar-shaped uh, craft that he saw. Can you tell us about that? Um. Yeah, the, 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 their sightings started in the mid to late 1940s. Um, he already had a, um, a six-inch telescope um, in 1938 when he was still working as a, a metaphysics teacher in Laguna Beach. And he moved that um, along with his group of students to uh, Valley Center, California, um, where a few years later they moved closer up up to um, uh, or further up uh, uh, Palomar Mountain. And that's where their, their sightings started. His interest in space and, and, and uh, extraterrestrial life was was well established. Um, but of course, uh, you know, with the, um, the Foo Fighters on the tails of, um, of uh, jet fighters during the Second World War, um, basically started the modern UFO era um, and um, these sightings became more um, more specific with the with the, the uh, uh, what 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 seemed to um, to the uh, uh, eyewitnesses as large spacecrafts, cigar-shaped craft, and uh, more specifically the uh, what George Adamski uh, coined or, or called the uh, the scout ships, the the flying saucers, as they became known. In 1947, um, the, the the term, I believe, was was first used in uh, with in relation to um, Kenneth Arnold sighting over Mount Rainier in Washington State, um, and of course with the um, uh, the crash in, in in Roswell near uh, uh, the ranch near Roswell. Uh, <laughs> funnily, that was uh, first. Um, excitedly reported by um, the head of the local uh, uh, military bases, U.S. Air Force base, um, and, and that same night uh, uh, denied, or the next morning, um, by a, uh, uh, a general, um, because of course the uh, the secrecy um, that uh, was imposed on on the whole subject, um, it, we weren't supposed to. Um, to know about um, 
visitors from space, um, especially because, it, as we know, the world was engaged in a in a massive ideological war, the Cold War between the United States and its allies and, and the Soviet Union, um, and all you know all the available funds or funds that could be made available without out uh, causing a popular um, uh, protest or uprising uh, were diverted to um, to the to the cold war efforts of, of developing uh, nuclear weapons um, and uh, in in th that is the, the the backdrop against which uh, george adamski as the first person to come forward and 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 talk about his uh, his uh, experience of meeting uh, what he said was a man from a flying saucer that had landed in the uh, in the California desert, but he was not the only one. There were uh, various others, especially in the United States. Uh, Daniel Fry, I, th I believe, it was Daniel Fry, who um, whose book was published much later than Adamski's account came out, uh, but he said he was first contacted in 1950. Um, so it had been going on, like you said, uh, rightfully, um, from the second half of the 1940s. Adamski became famous um, for his first contact in the desert uh, that happened in uh, November uh, 1952. And he wrote an account about it that was published along um, Desmond, Le Desmond Leslie's study of historical sightings uh, going all the way back to um, Old Testamentic times and, and uh, you know, the, the Hindu scriptures of uh, uh, Vimanas, etc. Uh, and it was published, uh, they were published together as uh, Flying Sources Have Landed in 1953. And uh, that was so... Yeah, the public was so... Yeah. Sorry, I was just I was going to just back up there a moment because you mentioned the his his contact in 1952 with the Venusian he called Orthon. Um, right. Can you just maybe unpack that experience a little bit and and uh, how he his his encounter his contact with this Venusian Orthon and what kind of information was exchanged? Um, yeah, but uh, he Damsky and his group they they were living um, um, at the time. Um, in what was called uh, uh, Palomar Gardens, um, the area uh, they had a little roadside cafe there because the um, the Hale Observatory at the uh, Caltech uh, Palomar Observatory uh, that was finished in uh, 19 whose construction was finished in 1949 drew uh, you know a growing uh, number of uh, tourists. Um, and that's how they made a living. Adamski, his wife, and and a group of students um, running the roadside cafe. Um, and of course, they were interested in 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 the uh, in the UFOs and, and the spacecraft. Um, and on a hunch, on November twentieth, nineteen fifty-two, he and um, six of his students, co-workers, set out for a picnic in the nearby uh, Costco Mountain desert area of California um, and it was around noon when they uh, got out of the car and and, and uh, uh, got the stuff out for the picnic and they spotted a cigar shaped craft uh, this was also 
uh, noticed by the Air Force, and it was entered in Project Blue Book as uh, as sighting number fourteen, I believe. Um, and soon after having spotted the uh, the spacecraft, they saw um, flying saucers or saucer shaped craft coming out of the mothership, the cigar shaped uh, craft. And um, soon enough, one of them had landed in the nearby foothills. Adamski went over, um, and his uh, his companions stayed by the roadside, uh, but they could still see and witness what was going on at the, in the dis at the distance. And according to Adamski's account, he he um, um, he, he he spotted the saucer. He, he went over and was in awe. Uh, um, of the site uh, at the site of the of the saucer hovering just over the uh, Earth's surface, and until he suddenly became aware that there was a, a man standing just outside the uh, the saucer, and uh, through gestures and uh, telepathic communication, um, he uh, he he queried where the visitor was from, and he said he was from Venus, and. Um, Asking for the uh, uh, for the the reason for uh, after the reason for their visits, uh, the visitor said that it was the uh, the nuclear tests, the nuclear bombs, and the nuclear tests that got the um, uh, the space visitors worried, and um, that was one of the main reasons for their for their coming. Uh, there was some photographs taken while Orthon was was uh, there. Did, were were there actual photos of Orthon himself? Or just the craft? No, there there were some photographs taken um, of the area, and uh, there's uh, the first report of this uh, of this encounter appeared four days later in the Phoenix Gazette, and it has one of the photographs of the saucer, which to me looks like it was uh, ascending again, taking off, um, and, and uh, later on there were also uh, some photos taken from a distance. Um, where um, through um, enhancements, digital enhancements, um, it appears that the saucer was could be seen just from behind a um, a uh, 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 one of the hills, and uh, the upper part of a, of a man's body could be seen, uh, but it's not clear at all. But it uh, it looks very um, very uh, intriguing um, with the with the enhancements. Without, without the enhancements, it's really not clear at all. Uh, there were supposedly some plaster casts, however, taken of Orthon's shoe imprints. Correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, George Hunt Williamson, who um, was a contactee himself and who had been traveling the um, or. Uh, South American continent uh, in search of um, Native American lore um, about visitors. Um, he was in Adamski's uh, circle of friends at the time, and, and uh, he was among the party that went into the desert um, with him that day. And he carried with him uh, apparently some, uh, what do you call that? Uh, 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 plaster, um, and when they discovered the the imprints, the footprints of Orthon in the in the sand, they uh, they decided to take uh, these uh, these casts. 
and uh, they've been a source of uh, for, of speculation of what because they are the the, the footprints show uh, various uh, symbols uh, not legible in in our terms of of, of language. Um, so they have been a cause of, of uh, widespread speculation, and uh, I'm I'm not sure even if if uh, if they've been uh, if, if you know if the key was found to to translate it. But uh, uh, yeah, they and and they were also photos of the cast were were also um, included in um, I don't know if it was uh, flying saucers have landed or his next book inside the spaceships, but they, ah. and and they can be easily found I, I believe also online so orthon you know refused to uh have himself photographed but how did adamski describe orthon what did he look like um, according to adamski he looked uh, perfectly human um except uh much more beautiful in his in his words than say the average human being on earth um uh, much uh higher grade of physical perfection um, to use my own words uh, and uh, he had apparently long blonde hair wore a tight fitting fairly tight fitting space suit in one piece it seemed and boots and, and uh, perfectly normal uh, perfectly human um, in you know in any other way um, uh, four limbs uh, a trunk and a head and uh, yeah so it was uh, it was uh, f- a far cry from what we um you know what science fiction writers have been trying to um um to portray the the uh, potential space visitors as you know no three heads no uh, green tentacles and and or what have you there was some uh, there is some controversy about the the scout ship uh Orthon scout ship that Adamski photographed. It's been described as the chicken brooder, which is, I guess, some sort of a device to, uh, uh, what, to, to uh, incubate eggs. Uh, someone said it suspiciously looked like a chicken brooder. Um, um, can you yes, talk and, about that controversy? Uh, yes, it's um, uh, in, in, um, in December 1953, so this was... Um, uh, well over a year after his first contact in the desert, Adamski noticed uh, a, a scout craft, a flying saucer, hovering over the Palomar um, premises, and he was lucky enough to take some uh, some close-ups. Um, and the uh, funny thing is, he was, uh, you know, it was not just uh, um, uh, dismissed as a chicken brooder, but it was also the top of an Italian ice machine or a tobacco humidor. It was claimed to be the, uh, a, a lantern, a 1930s lantern. And the funny thing is that you know these these critics that try to dismiss his photos and and discredit his photos never agreed on exactly what item he used to to fake uh, allegedly um, the uh, photos of of this uh, spacecraft. Whereas the uh, photography experts of his time who looked into the photographs and analyzed them, um, they agreed that either he photographed uh, full-scale models, which would have been very implausible because of the enormous cost involved, or else 
they were the real thing. Um, with his uh, setup, with his cameras, it was not possible to to photograph models, small scale models. Um, so ironically, the experts at the time agreed that they were the real deal, whereas the the, the cynics and the critics uh, never agreed on exactly what item he uh, it was that he used for uh, allegedly faking his photos. Uh, Gerard, we'll take a quick time out. We'll come back and uh, discuss more of the uh, the work of George Adamski and Gerard's new book, The Adamski Book of UFO UAP Disclosure. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us. Welcome back. Welcome back to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Gerard Artson is with us. The uh, The latest book is The Adamski Book of UFO, UAP Disclosure. And we're talking about George Adamski. Um, talk to me. He started lecturing uh, about UFOs in, I guess, around 1949. Uh, just talk to me about the what he, what he was talking about and how these lectures were received. Um. There are no transcripts of his lectures at the time. I know he was invited to speak at you know, clubs like the Rotary Club and, and, and things like that uh, about his sightings. Um, he wrote two articles for Fate magazine. That one was published in 1950. One was published in 1951, accompanied by his earliest uh, photographs of spacecraft uh, that he that he shot uh, against the face of the moon. Um, I don't know what he what exactly what he was talking about. Um, he, um, he, of course, he had written Pioneers of Space in uh, and published it in 1949. And many have accused him of, you know, just uh, using his science fiction uh, story, Pioneers of Space, um, and selling it as as as. Uh, Fact in um, and, or nonfiction in, in inside the spaceships. However, to his students, he always made clear a clear distinction between his uh, travels in uh, his trips on, on uh, physical spacecraft and uh, his earlier experiences, out of body experiences, uh, which he described in um, in Pioneers of Space. So I would imagine perhaps that he um, that he presented the reality of of the visitors from space in his earliest lectures um, as a mixture of uh, descriptions of his sightings and his his out of body experiences. But that's pure speculation on my part because I wasn't there, and there's again there there are no transcripts of his earlier talks. Several of his later talks have been transcribed and, and published. Um, and um, yeah, he, he goes into detail um, in terms of, of uh, you know, his experiences uh, with Orthon, uh, but also on board the spacecraft that he um, was invited on from 19, from February 1953 onward. Right. This is where he is uh, taken on a trip to see the solar system, uh, back to Venus, where apparently... He was informed that he uh, uh, had been reincarnated. Uh, he also uh, he, he talked about how all of the planets in the solar system were um, inhabited. Uh, 
Um, right. Now, this is back in the 1950s when we didn't know a lot about the, um, you know, the surface of the various planets and, and, uh, and so forth. Um, so this kind of leads us into your book where you, uh, the Adamski Book of UFO, UAP Disclosure, where you um, get into um, some of the, the aspects of, of Adamski's book and, and, and cite evidence. Um, you, you provide seven e exhibits. You say pro proves Adamski was correct about fundamental facts and notions. So let's, let's get into that now. Um, where do you want to start with that? Um, well, uh, maybe the, the point that you touched on, you know, the uh, uh, the fact that uh, in the 1950s we didn't know much about the surface uh, of of, uh, of planets in our solar system, and I, you know, it's it's very uh, understandable that many people uh, would um, would be puzzled uh, about uh, uh, as far as uh, Adamski's claims. Um, about uh, the other planets in our solar system being inhabited, um, you know. B while in the 1950s we didn't know much or hardly anything about the other planets in our in our solar system, in 2023, um, our astrophysics uh, still doesn't know very much f uh, about 90% of the mass of the universe. Our astrophysics scientists tell us that based on calculations of, of uh, uh, you know astrophysical calculations they know that the mass of the universe is uh, a certain amount except uh, there's 90 percent that they cannot pinpoint they cannot find and they've they've hypothesized um, uh, dark matter and dark energy and uh, it is not just Adamski and other early contactees who claim, who state, who assert that every planet in our solar system is inhabited. It's also the um, the Ages Wisdom teaching that was first um, um, introduced, reintroduced to the Western world uh, through the work of Madame Blavatsky in the late 19th century, and her her uh, tenets about the nature of matter and the fundamental nature of consciousness, uh, we now see being uh, confirmed in quantum science. Um, so, you know, there's this very interesting uh, development going on in science where physically science isn't able to, to, to see and, and pinpoint what they know must be there, um, and at the same time, it's uh, you know the, the, it, it's beginning to understand that that physical matter isn't the uh, be all and end all of what we call reality. Uh, so my contention is, and I back it up with uh, quotes from Adamski, but also from the Ages Wisdom teaching and and uh, you know the latest findings in science and especially system science which draws together findings from various scientific disciplines uh, that uh, you know life on, on the other planets in our solar system perhaps may not be may not um, you know have precipitated to the level of density that it has on our planet maybe we are the exception not in the sense of being the only planet with life but perhaps we are 
the exception in the sense that we are the only planet where life has precipitated to a dense physical level of carbon-based life forms, which doesn't make life where you know where where it is where it manifests in in subtler forms of matter any less real. It's just that it's outside our range of vision, just as infrared light is, or many frequencies in the sound spectrum are inaudible to us. Gerard, we're going to take another time out. We'll come back and uh, delve further into the Adamski book of UFO UAP disclosure. Gerard Artson, my guest, stay with us. It's time to redefine reality. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. And Gerard Artson stays with us. The uh, latest book is the Adamski Book of UFO UAP Disclosure, available at all fine bookstores, Amazon, of course. Um, I wanted to get back to, um, we talked earlier about the Venusian Orthon and his telepathic uh, communication. I guess he also communicated with hand signals with uh, Adamski. And of course, one of the concerns at that time, as you, as you mentioned, you know, the height of the Cold War, uh, was uh, nuclear weapons. And um, uh, I'm not sure how closely you've been following the um, this new Pentagon agency called the uh, All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, Arrow. And uh, recently, well, last month, I guess, February 15th, I think it was, they uh, interviewed uh, Robert Salas, who as ah, a... finally as a 26-year-old lieutenant colonel, of course, was um, in a concrete bunker uh, uh, at Malmstrom Air Force, or Malmstrom uh, in, in Montana, I guess it was, uh, where they were, you know, they had these um, ICBMs, nuclear um, weapons, and he witnessed uh, these missiles being taken offline, uh, 10 of them, and then there were other launch sites at Malmstrom where other people... Uh, officers reported the same thing happening. And then they also, I believe, uh, Arrow, that is, either have already or are planning to interview um, uh, Dr. Bob... um, hmm, Now I've forgotten his name. Uh, Hastings? No, not... um, This was... um, Oh, Hastings. uh, He was... I'll just leave that one because I didn't. Okay, so let's just focus on uh, uh, Dr. Uh, or sorry, uh, Bob Salas. Um, so this is now starting to come out. Now, six de- decades later, the Pentagon is finally interested in UFO incursions over, uh, you know, nuclear weapon sites, um, which is kind of, you know, interesting that um, I guess Adamski was probably one of the first to talk about how the, the these uh, ETs were concerned about nuclear uh, nuclear weapons, and now, of course, it's all coming to the fore. Just, uh, just give me, give me your impressions about, about this. Well, you're absolutely right, and uh, I was amazed uh, in 2010 when Robert Hastings uh, held his uh, press conference um, in in Washington D.C., um, where he presented uh, seven um, uh, former or active military personnel. Robert Salas among them, 
uh, as representing a group of over 120 uh, um, uh, military people um, who had all testified to very similar experiences as the one you just recounted uh, uh, from Robert Salas uh, in his interview. Um, I um, I wasn't aware that he had recently been interviewed by Aero, but um, um, I'm I'm glad that uh, uh, that he has been, because even in 2010 he uh, he stated that if the um, if the the extraterrestrials had evil intentions or hostile intentions, they could have done a lot of damage, much more damage than deactivating the, the nuclear missiles, the, the internet, intercontinental ballistic missiles. Um, and, and, well, of course, the, the striking thing is that this wasn't a one-off event. This happened several times with, uh, like I said, presented by Robert Hastings, over 120 eyewitnesses. This cannot be a coincidence, and it can also not be a coincidence that George Adamski, in his very first, in the very first report about his contact, his first contact, um, was told the same about the same concern um, uh, among the visitors. Um, so yeah, it's uh, you know it's it. I think it shows that uh, the extraterrestrial visitors have do not have hostile intentions. They are concerned not only for our well-being, but also for their well-being, because nuclear uh, nuclear destruction of planet Earth or life streams, certain life streams on planet Earth, will reverberate around the solar system. Uh, just because we do not understand how life is interconnected, even though we're beginning to get the sense of it uh, through quantum science, you know, with the non-locality of, of consciousness and, and entanglement um, of um, of uh, particles, uh, which Einstein called the spooky act action at a distance. Yeah, when particle here is is affected, it has an immediate effect on a on a related particle uh, on the other side of the universe. So everything is interconnected, and and that is why the uh, uh, the people from space are um, are uh, still very much concerned. You know, it was only, um, when was it? Uh, let me check. Um, yes, it, last year, August last year, when uh, the United Nations Secretary General uh, again warned against the, uh, uh, you know, the, the uh, idea, the, the, the rattling of nuclear sabers, he said, um, and uh, nuclear blackmail cannot work. As we see it again now, you know, being, um, being uh, reignited uh, in the Ukraine conflict on uh, on various parts. So um, it it remains a uh, 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 an issue of, of great concern. And of course, you know, our our survival is at stake. If if uh, by some miscalculation a few of the wrong buttons get pressed, uh, it will mean the end of human life on this planet. And that may not seem like a big deal. Uh, on the grand scale of the universe, um, but that's because we do not understand um, the importance, the significance of of human life in the grand scheme of things. Human life is universal. That's another thing that Damsky was told, um, and it plays a, a, a pivotal role in the evolution of a planetary system. And uh, you know, it's it's a clearinghouse for consciousness as it becomes individual
individualized and 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 um you know someone once said that consciousness is uh, life becoming aware of itself and we see consciousness growing from from the vegetable through the through the animal through the human kingdoms but it it doesn't stop there it goes beyond the human kingdom and we see that uh, i believe in uh, in accounts of in Adamski's accounts and, and accounts of other contactees of these highly advanced uh, extraterrestrial beings. You know, there, there is no end to the evolution of consciousness. Uh, and the human, the human kingdom is an, uh, not only integral, but also a, a pivotal um, aspect and part of that, of that evolution. So, you know, there's a, a part for us in, in this, grand scheme of things the cosmic scheme of things that we are not aware of and it is at this crucial time in the it, it, it's why this this time is a crucial time in the history of human evolution is that we are beginning to become aware of that through the you know the the reality of extraterrestrial visitors now becoming clear it's been denied for for seven decades but it's now becoming clear you know the early photographs that Adamski took of a spacecraft against the face of a moon, it's almost reflected in the infrared uh, recording uh, from a, uh, um, a board camera on a U.S. Navy uh, jet plane, jet fighter. So, you know, it's it's almost becoming undeniable now that uh, that uh, the extraterrestrial presence is is real. It's a reality, and and uh, George Adamski. He's, you know, it was the nuclear concern you mentioned. There's also anomalous materials uh, that I that I show in my book. Anomal anomalous materials that Adamski uh, had in his possession. He picked up uh, from a site uh, where a UFO had landed, a flying saucer had landed, and had analyzed. And now there's a Stanford professor, um, uh, Professor Gary Nolan, who has been asked. By the Pentagon to to analyze very similar materials and much larger parts. Uh, there's the nuclear thing. There's the contact thing. Adamski says he was contacted by people from space. There's a growing number of scientists now. Most recently, it was the uh, uh, professor of astrophysics in from Israel, Chaim Eshed, in in December 2021, who made the international headlines, stating that extraterrestrials are here but they've asked not to be revealed because humanity is not yet ready you know and it goes on it, it, we can no longer deny the reality of the extraterrestrial presence and it is especially at this time because we are now on the on the verge of of an expansion of consciousness where we will see that there's much more to life much more to being a human being much more to to living on this planet than than we have thus thus far understood. Um, I, I I finally remembered the um, the, the other get, sorry getting back to that nuclear um, the mm. nuclear threat. It was uh, Doctor Bob Jacobs. Uh, oh, yeah. He was stationed at uh, Vandenberg. Um, well, it's now a Space Force base, but at the time it was an Air Force base. This was uh, 1964, and and he was in charge of videotaping the launch of these. Uh, rockets that were carrying dummy, what they called dummy warheads, and uh, he was using uh, some sort of a tele, uh, like a two hundred, uh, sorry, I think it was a twenty inch, was it twenty inches? 
or 200 inches wide uh, telescope lens and was videotaping through this telescope and um, later discovered what he had captured on video. And this was a, um, a craft. Uh, as we see the, uh, the rocket traveling like 8,000 miles per hour um, and is starting to uh, separate the three stages of the rocket, the, uh, the, uh, the cone comes off, it opens, the warhead the dummy warhead comes out. We see this spacecraft come in, fire a beam of light uh, at the uh, the warhead, then fires another beam of light at the various stages of the rocket, and it just completely fails and, I guess, you know, uh, crashes. Uh, and so Jacobs, uh, if he hasn't already, will also be testifying before um, Arrow, the uh, all-domain anomalous resolution office. Um it, there's an interesting uh, Dutch connection with George Adamski. You're in Amsterdam. Uh, was it Queen uh, Juliana who received George Adamski Correct. back in the late 1950s? Tell me about that. How did that meeting Correct. happen? Yeah, yeah. Um, George Adamski went was invited to speak in. You know, he was his books were so well read. People were so curious and interested in his in his accounts. Um, you know, th th we must remember that the 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 psychological weight of of uh, of these uh, nuclear this threat of nuclear an annihilation was hanging over the world um, in in the 1950s and and well into the 60s and 70s. And I remember it from my own uh, childhood and 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 uh, days as a, as a youth. Um, and uh, so. Already in the 1950s, people were really interested in in his, his uh, information the, that he was asked to share about the need for international cooperation um, to uh, avert the nuclear uh, the nuclear dangers um, and and to solve our global problems. Um, so his books were translated uh, in in many different languages, uh, twelve at least. His first book was translated into twelve different languages at least within a, a few years. Um, and and uh, that spawned, you know, uh, a massive interest and and letters, questions coming in from all over the world, which uh, led him to uh, set up an international network of correspondence, the Get Acquainted program. And um, through that network, he was invited to speak in different parts of of the world. And uh, so a world lecture tour was was organized. Uh, which brought him from the states to New Zealand and Australia, and then on to uh, to the UK, and uh, on to the European continent. And uh, um, on his um, um, uh, uh, his during his days in in Holland uh, in May 19, 1959, uh, he was invited uh, to an audience with Queen Juliana at the time, uh, the grandmother of our. Current uh, king, um, and um, uh, actually the invitation was uh, extended while he was still in Australia, um, and um, the queen was much much crit criticized for inviting this uh, this uh, uh, fraud from from California, uh, but she was uh, massively interested, and uh, uh, I believe the uh, the meeting was uh, set for. 45 minutes or something, but it lasted for two hours, which uh, made Adamski late for his talk in, in The Hague later that day. Um, of course, it was a, you know, 
know, a private audience and uh, no details uh, were given out about what was what was said or asked um, or how the queen reacted uh, but Adamski later revealed that the, the Queen was uh, was very well uh, pleased with the information that she received from Adamski. Um, so, so uh, yeah, it was it was quite uh, it's quite extraordinary. And it is, she was not the only high-ranking individual that uh, that uh, uh, contacted or was interested in Adamski's information. In Italy, there was uh, the diplomat Alberto Perego, a consul. Um, he uh, visited, um, even though many people contested based on false false chronology um, and, and and false claims about uh, Adamski's own uh, statements. But uh, he um, he had a private audience with Pope John Twenty Third in uh, in uh, May nineteen sixty three. Um, so you know, and he had contacts with the high high level military people in in Brazil and other um in in Mexico as well i believe so yeah there were there was a professor in india uh, of uh, banaras university professor sisir uh, maitra who was the um, main contact for the get acquainted program in in his country so yeah lots of uh, people of high standing um were open to his information despite despite the general ridicule and and derision uh, from the scientific and uh, community and later on even from who people who you know who um, uh, present themselves as serious ufo researchers um, you know they've uh, they're still spurning adamski's information but if you if you to uh, see how much of his his information and his claims are now being confirmed from military science and activists it's it's amazing how do you think uh, George Adamski um, should be remembered? Um, for me, he was the bravest of the 1950s contactees, and and uh, um, he, um, yeah, he deserves nothing, uh, nothing but respect, and and uh, he's still very, very much underrated. Um, and uh, you know, the, the the information that I've been. Um, uh, that I've uncovered and and uh, his teachings uh, all show that he is uh, he had a far greater understanding of, of reality than most people do now even even uh, you know much revered UFO researchers um, so um, I, I think it would behoove many people to to study his his teachings and compare them with the you know the latest insights from uh, from uh, post-materialist science uh, system science and, and quantum research the adamski adamski book of ufo uap disclosure gerard artson my guest thank you so much gerard great to meet you thank you for having me uh, it was a pleasure uh, richard thank you a new richard Serrett's strange planet drops every monday wednesday and friday 